Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. Well, I hope everyone has been busy practicing Four Brothers, which we dissected in last week's podcast episode. Such a great tune, right? Not easy to play, fingering challenges from start to finish, and packed with many lessons for developing jazz improv vocabulary. So I hope you've been busy. I hope you've enjoyed your time with Jimmy Jufri's Four Brothers. But today, but today, I want you to take a break to enjoy my interview with a jazz educator that I am quite certain most of you, if not all of you, already know. Last week, I had the privilege of sitting down with Brent Varstra, jazz musician, guitarist, author, podcaster, and jazz coach living in New York City. Brent is the founder and visionary behind the website Learn Jazz Standards, which helps musicians of all instruments level up their jazz playing without the overwhelm. Brent and his site Learn Jazz Standards have contributed significantly to jazz education since 2011. So I want you to sit back, relax, and welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. Mr. Brent Varstra. Brent Varstra. <laughs> Bob, thank you for having me. It's so great to be on the show. Oh, man. Listen, man, what an honor because, dude, listen, you are like Mr. Internet. You are like Mr. Jazz Internet because everywhere I go on the Internet and everywhere I look in jazz, there you are. And yeah. it's it's amazing, man. You have done a phenomenal job. Um with learn jazz standards, which we'll get to, which we'll get to later, uh, for sure. Sure. Um, but it's it's a, such a thrill and honor to have you on jazz piano skills. And I know as a guitarist, right? You're it, people are probably wondering, as a jazz guitarist, what the heck are you doing on jazz piano skills? But a, as you know, when we're talking about jazz and jazz studies and uh, improvisation, right? It 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 crosses over all instruments. So. So yes. I thought it would be yes. great. A hundred percent. Like learn jazz standards. Like we basically serve all instruments except for drums. So I totally, ag I, I agree with right. that. Yes. So, uh, so what I want to do, man, before we get to the business side and before we start talking about sure. jazz education and improvisation, all that good stuff, man, I want to just, I want you to take some time right now and share your story. Cause I know so many people are very much aware of you and the great things that you're doing in jazz education, but I want to, I want you to start from the beginning, talk a little bit about your childhood, your family, your upbringing, how you got into music, uh, and how you got to where you are today. So I, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, my friend, and tell us your story. I have no idea how I really got into music, honestly. And the reason I, it's a funny thing to say, because a lot of musicians I know, they, their parents were listening right. a lot to music and it was in the house. And it's not that my parents didn't listen to music. It's just that they're they they didn't they didn't listen to music a lot or expose me to it a lot. Um, I just somehow I don't know. I just got interested in in it and I went full in. And I don't know if we're really trying to psychoanalyze me right now. You know, my my my, uh, my, my siblings were all really intellectual. Uh, great grades in school. Not that I bombed or anything, but I was always the creative guy. That's just how my brain works. So I think, so I just kind of like, I, I got my, my, my guitar when I was like 10 and um, I just latched onto it and, you know, yeah. 
got obsessed with it as you know that's any all musicians get obsessed to that, degree. that's right now so, before you go on though siblings how many yeah. siblings i have four are yeah. you the youngest no i'm the second oldest second oldest okay now yeah so do they play or no they're all they're all the intellectual no, 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 yeah no no one plays i'm the i'm the lone musician <laughs> in the family okay. so wow yeah yeah so I, I get the black sheep of the family yeah you're, you're, you you're the loser man <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm either the loser or I'm the really cool guy. Yeah, the real, it depends right. on how you look at it. You know, I mean. Yeah. Um, All your nieces and nephews think you're the cool guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know, you but just don't tell them that you're a jazz musician, right? right. Because, you know, when people, they're like, oh man, do you like play? Are you like a rock guy? Do you, are right. you a singer songwriter? Right. No, I play jazz. I play oh. jazz. Oh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. So, what, what did you join the band? Were you, how, or were you in the band program, or did you pick up the guitar immediately? Yeah, sure. So, so like a lot as far as getting into jazz. So, I was I was super into prog rock and um, even prog metal. I just I liked virtuosic music. I loved music that was telling a story. Um, I enjoyed improvisation and soloing and all. I was interested in that stuff. So, like a lot of people, yeah, I joined the jazz band in high school and got an introduction to that and all that. I think where it really started, though, um, was in my, I grew up in Boise, Idaho, originally. Okay. And so in it's there, there's not a lot going on there. There is there's stuff going on there. But I just I got lucky. There was a, a teacher in the area who was hardcore jazz guy, but like really like teaching like the whole ear thing and just super into that mm-hmm. and transcribing and learning by ear. And he had just this small discipleship of of students and a friend that I was in a prog rock band with, he was connecting with him. And that's how I got into this kind of circle. And, you know, I was just playing with the, the other students at this, uh, they started like this, this art school. But at the time when I joined it, it was, it wasn't an art school. It was just like a, almost like an after school program. And, you know, you're, I was playing with all these musicians that were super serious about it. Yeah. And that's how I got really like, oh, I get it. Cause you know, I was always interested in it, but that's where I started going, whoa, this is, this stuff is amazing. Right. And I want to like really search this out. Right. And that was my senior year of high school when I really got deep serious about jazz, where I started like, you know, after school, I was just practicing until dinner time and right. then maybe an hour after dinner right. and then kind of like that kind of a thing. Yeah. And so I decided I want to be I want to be a professional jazz musician. That's what I decided. Yeah, is. which is really fascinating, right? Because most people would think, well, wow, that's that's jumping into the game rather late, right? Senior in high school. Yeah. Yeah, we think of Absolutely. like we think of these jazzers all starting at, you know, 3 years of age, you know, doing tra- transcribing and practicing at that young age. So that's really awesome, man. That's inspiring right there. Yeah, well, and in a way, you know, it kind of brought me into a place where eventually I did go, um, I took a year off actually between high school and college because of this decision. And I just, I studied with, um, a teacher of mine who came with this ridiculous program for me. I was practicing five to eight hours a day. I learned a hundred jazz standards in one year. Wouldn't recommend it, but that's a side story. (laughs) You know, I was transcribing 32 bars of a solo every single week. Um, I was playing a gig every week. I was trying to save money to go to college by teaching guitar lessons. I mean, so wow. that's what I did for a year. Wow. And then when I jumped into, so that kind of gave me a little kickstart, honestly. And when I jumped into art school, I, I moved to Seattle and went to, to a school in Seattle for one year there. Um, you know, 
it was kind of like, oh, right, there's these guys that have been doing this for a lot longer than I have. And it, when you're kind of in that situation, it it forces you to like raise the yeah, bar yeah. a little bit. Yeah, right. right. And uh, the next year after that, I moved to New York City, which was like, yeah, even more. Yeah, right? it's like now you're you're a really small fish. You know, when I when I was starting in in Boise, Idaho, I had one of the best gigs in town every single week. <laughs> Not so much in New York, right? But it, it, all of it's such a big learning experience, and just um, yeah, yeah. So hey, I want I want to I want to step back for a second. So here you are, yeah. a senior in high school, right? Yeah. So you're a senior in high school. You're getting into it. You go, man, I want to be a jazz musician. <clears throat> so. Somewhere along the line, you had to have a conversation. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Look, you know, I, 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 I've decided I'm going to take a year off after high school and not go to college. But I, 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 I'm going to hit this jazz guitar stuff heavy. I'm going to practice and transcribe and gig for a year before, before I yeah. get back into academics and education. So, tell me, tell us a little bit about that conversation and how that went. You know, believe it or not, my parents were always so supportive oh, that's of fantastic. my musical endeavors, yeah, you know, and fantastic. I know that's not the case for everybody, right. but um, they they were always, I mean, I think they just saw how serious I was about it. Right. And so they were just like, well, I mean, he's, he loves it's not it. like I was, you know, slacking off and not really, t- I was, I was practicing, I was serious, I was trying to take lessons from people. Right. I was, you know, it was all, I think they saw all of that. So. Right. I I think definitely the whole gap year thing between high high school and co- that that was a bit of a conversation and literally they met with my teacher and was like, "Well, is this a good idea? Should he be doing this?" you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And the and my teacher said, "Yeah, you know, let's let's do this." And you know, there was other like logistical reasons and right. um stuff involved as well but it it wasn't yeah they were they've always been supportive of it so it wasn't like a tough conversation or anything like that so where did you end up going to college so i went to i mentioned in seattle i went to cornish college of the arts for a year which is a great arts college over there and then i moved to new york and i studied at the city college of new york in harlem okay which uh Good, good jazz program there. I mean, at the time when I joined, John Patitucci was the artist in res- yeah. residence there. Yeah. And then you kind of had your pick of who you wanted to study with in, in the city. So yeah. um, it was great. And then, you know, just being able to, the, of course, there's all the other really good programs out there, like the New School right. for Jazz and Contemporary right. Music and Manhattan right. School of Music and NYU has a good program. And so right. um, you were just also playing with all those people too. Like you're jamming with those people too. And like, so it, it, it was kind of all there. It was almost like the co- college was great and I learned a lot there, but honestly the city was, and the scene, that was the, to me, that was the real education. Correct. That was, and sometimes it was a harsh education and other times it was a rewarding it. Right. So it's kind of yeah both. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and you're, you're still there, right? You're still in New York city. Yeah, I, I live just, I live like literally on the other side. I actually live in uh, Jersey City, which is okay. um, in New Jersey, right on the other side of the Hudson River from okay. Manhattan. So like right. throw a stone and yes. Wow. So we stayed in the area. Wow, fantastic. So, um, all right. So here you are now, you're in New York, you're jazz mm-hmm. musician, jazz guitarist, you're doing the the gig scene, you're hang, you're hanging with the the best of the best and you're learning somewhere along the line. Somewhere along the line, you gained a interest in education, music mm-hmm. education, jazz education. Uh, that's apparent because you wouldn't be doing, 
devoting all your energy and effort and time and resources into learn learn jazz standards, which you know that we'll talk about here shortly. But but there's a edu- you know I, I've I've watched you and I've followed you and I've checked you out and and there's truly an educator's heart there. And so how did how did that come about? Because that's uh, uh, that doesn't happen for all musicians, right? That's really true. I mean, you've heard the thing before where it's like, you know, you could be the best musician in the whole world, right? but you could be an awful teacher, right? And mm-hmm. so I, well, it started obviously like, you know, even in high school, I was, there There was a moment in high school um, where I was like a dishwasher at one point. I was, right. worked at a coffee shop at one point. Right. I did landscaping, you know, high <laughs> right. school jobs. Right. And then I had such a bad experience at a couple of those jobs, so bad I just hated it. And I made a pact with myself that I would never do anything else from that point on other than music to make money. Wow. Um, and uh, I've stuck with it to that day. Wow. And so teaching is one is is, is, is I would say if you're going to be a professional musician, yeah. it's it's almost essential. Mm-hmm. I mean, even some of the the best jazz musicians uh, in the world, like I would. I would get to study with them in New York when they were back right. home from right. touring. Right. They're still doing it too. So so I, I was teaching lessons back then and um, you know, just understanding the nuances of teaching, right? Like obviously probably being a not a good teacher when I first started, you know. Right. Um, to getting better and better and better. But honestly, it really was um when I started creating content. And I'm talking about, um, I wrote two books for Hal Leonard. I wrote, I've self-published a bunch of my own books. I've created, you know, we're on episode 400 something of my podcast. Mm. Um, We've created hundreds of YouTube videos. I have created tons of videos for courses. And what happens is it's just like learning to play music is you get better at communicating and teaching and then you start learning about the students that you're actually teaching, like the people that are actually coming to you for right. help. And you start understanding, right. oh, actually, the thing that I'm talking about is they don't need that as much. They need this right. more. Or, you know, the way I said this is actually not the, the best way. It should be this way. Right. And, you know, believe it or not, you know, running a business plays into that as well because the two are connected. How well you're able to teach and communicate right. and help people is directly related to your bottom line. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, I I think it's just like that. It's just that I I always thought it was I, I always enjoyed teaching because the people that taught me how to play music, I mean, that got me to where I was. Mm-hmm. They had such a big impact on my life, right? Right. right. So there's that side of it, just right. the the joy of like when someone has an aha moment. Yeah. It's like this is yeah. wow, this is great. Yeah, and, and it's founded in the belief that music is is enriching and worthwhile. Right. I think. Yeah, and and what's funny is a lot of those aha moments are on our side of the coin, right? As the teacher, we have the aha moments. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> right. I mean, I it, it's unbelievable how um, if you really want to, there's it's a cliche, but if you want to learn something better or really well or at least internalize it, yeah, like try teaching it, right? right. Because it's. Right. It's almost like once you're able to do that, it's like, oh, I get it better. Right. Um, I remember I wrote, I wrote a book for Hal Leonard. They wanted me to write. It was a, a, a guitar book, you know, for for you know. Anyways, mapping out your fretboard and all this stuff. Okay. 
And just going through and creating this book, I was like, oh my gosh, I know how to play my guitar so much better now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, just by doing it. So there's, there's no question about it. There's, it's so rewarding from a, uh, uh, you know, as a teacher, you know, you have to have conviction, right? You develop these yes. convictions about how to approach the instrument, how to approach the genre, how to approach improvisation. So these convictions start to evolve and and develop, and that has a profound impact on your playing, obviously, right? Yeah. So hundred percent, and they 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 work hand in hand together, right? Um, and yeah, like like I said too, like there's the business side of it too, which strangely enough plays in all that as yeah. well. Yeah. Because you start learning things and it influences your teaching and it influences yeah. the way you play and right. and all that. Well let's talk a little bit about the business side because the other thing that's very impressive about you and um uh is that you're an entrepreneur, right? You're in music right. and you're an entrepreneur. There's this business side of you. So, yes. so let's talk about how did that come about? Because uh that's uh, that's um uh, that's a benefit that a lot of folks do not possess and do not have in our music profession. So let, talk a little bit about yeah. your entrepreneurship and how that came about. I'm glad you say that. I often talk with people and I'm like, you know, why is it that when I went to music school, there was not one <laughs> class about any of that stuff? Yeah, isn't, it was, you know, it's a, it's a shame, which is, isn't it? Which is really interesting, right? Because you know, it's the the idea of going to school for something is to make a profession out of it, right? right. And so, part of that is getting good at your craft. Absolutely, right. that's a huge part right. of it. But honestly, if you ask me, it's fifty percent of it, right? Right. Fifty percent being able to do it. Other fifty percent is how do you actually monetize this? Right. And then that's the whole rabbit hole of start marketing and sales and yeah. uh, networking, whatever, whatever, you know, there's, there's a million different things yeah. involved in that. Um, I think it comes back down to, you know, when I got out of, well, when I, when I was in high school, when I was in college, when I was going to school, when I was out of school, I was trying to make a living off of music. Like I said, I said, I'm never going to make money any other way other than music. And I stuck with it. Mm -hmm. So that meant that I was having to hustle gigs. That meant I was making phone calls. That means I was, networking. That means that I was like, hold on a second, you know, this revenue stream of, of playing gigs is super unreliable and I'm going to have a stomach ulcer. So we need to add some teaching in there, right? So we got to get that. Uh oh, this, this student, this student dropped out. Now I don't have as much money this month as I thought I was going to have. So it's all these things. You start finding problems with your business model. And so really when it came to, to starting to bring things online and, um, building out the blog, building out a podcast and, and starting to add products and all that stuff. It's, it's a revenue stream. Right. And, right. and at first I didn't know anything. I, I remember, um, you know, the guy who developed a very early version of our website, um, he put this like, you know, box at the top that just said, sign up for our newsletter, which by the way, then almost no one will do that today. If you just put a box <laughs> that says right. sign up for my newsletter, right. yeah. I, yeah. I didn't even know that it was connected to anything. So one day I, I looked in our uh, email service provider and I was like, well, what, what, I wonder if anybody actually signs up for this thing. Well, there's a thousand people that's, and then, I, and so I started not knowing anything. I didn't know anything about what to do uh, about marketing and business. And suddenly I just you start getting interested in it. And so I, I started just like I did with jazz. I started reading marketing books. Yep. Started going to yep. conferences. Yep. Started to pay for business coaching. Yep. Um, all that stuff because um, 
you know, that's just as important. And so then, then you start getting a passion for that as well. And yeah. so I think it's a beautiful thing when you can, you know, do all this stuff, but still have it tied to, you know, I feel fortunate, still have it tied to that, that original passion that I had, which was playing music and yeah. teaching and, and teaching music. So. Yeah. Right. Quite, quite a blessing, right? Right. The, to, to be able to, you very, know, as very I, much so. As I tell folks all the time, you know, my, well, Folks will ask me, Bob, are you going to retire? And I said, man, I've been retired for 35 years, man. I, you know, because I've been so fortunate that my work is my play and my play is my work. And, right. and to be, for us to be able to say that is an incredible blessing, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. So uh, you even have a, a little spinoff from all of this as well, because I, do, do, don't you have like a whole, don't you have a whole, Business side on actually somebody, if somebody was interested in getting into podcasting, um, set, you know, doing a podcast as a business, am I, am I losing it or did, I thought I saw somewhere where you're doing you're this. Not, you're not losing it. Back, okay. I think it was in 2019 or 2020. I, I did something like that for a year. Um, oh, okay. It was called Passive Income Musician. And I kind of, th- that was just kind of like a, I wanted a, an outlet for like sharing this stuff with other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it, I just I, I learned so much about this, right? right? And like musicians, all ha- a lot of musicians have that problem, right? Right. Like, hey, how am I gonna make how am I gonna make money? Well, this is one way, right? And then right. within that way, there's a, a bunch of other ways, right? So um, that was a, an outlet for me. I kind of only did it for a year, and then I, I stopped doing it because I, I realized that. Um, well, I realized I couldn't do both. I couldn't do both. My, my, my main business learned gas standards, which was bringing in the, in the money and that one as well. And, and ultimately I, you know, it, I felt like I, I said what I wanted to say, right. I've right. got to follow where the passion is going. So, right, right. but you're right. I did do that for a little bit. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a great idea. I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was fascinating. <laughs> so, so, uh, but you're right. You know, there's, there's only so many hours in the day, right. That's true. And, and <laughs> it's amazing how, once you, like you said, get go down the rabbit hole and all of a sudden you start the business and the entrepreneurship and you got the music side of things and you got teaching and all of a sudden all this stuff is adding up. And then you got the, then yep. you got the challenge of time management and how in the heck am I going to keep all of this moving forward? Yes, yeah. exactly. So how do you do that, man? Because I'm, I'm amazed at how much you do and the content that you put out from the videos to the, to your podcast, to the educational mm-hmm. content. I, I mean- how you doing it, man? Well, it it started out where um, it was just me, right? For a long time, it was just me. I was doing all this stuff. And uh, you start realizing, you, first of all, eventually you hit burnout. Yeah. And you yeah, yeah. start not sleeping well. You start having some problems. <laughs> and then you wake up one morning, you're like, you know what? I can't keep living like this. I need and help. by the way... <laughs> Absolutely. And by the way, that played into my, so uh, I don't, I don't perform as often anymore. Um, and that was a conscious decision. It, it, it was a conscious decision to say, um, you know, unless there's a, there's something that's pays great money for me and I'm, I I, I can do it, but you know, now I've, I've got, uh, I got a wife, got a one-year-old daughter. Oh, congratulations, um, man. That's awesome. And I got a business. I got tired of working all day and then working all night. That's what I was doing. I was (laughs) working all day and then let's go to the gig, work all night. And that's not sustainable. Yeah. And neither was the way I was running my business wasn't sustainable either. Right. I was doing everything myself. And so really it comes down to team, you know, building out a team, which I've been doing over the last um, four years or so, building out a team of, 
of people and start out with just an assistant. And then it turned into um, someone who's running all the tech on my website. Then it turns into, okay, got to get a video editor. Um, Then it turns into got to have a community manager for our membership. Got to have someone creating content for the membership. Um, And then you just slowly build it out. And I'm still, I'm still slowly building out, although I want to, I don't want to ever create a big team. It's just not my style, but right. um, And then you, and then, you know, like right now I've, I've got, um, you know, SEO, uh, uh, an SEO, um, agency that I'm working with to improve that side of things. I'm not doing, that's the SEO agency. And then, uh, we're doing a whole yeah. brand redesign of it. Got a whole, got a, you know, so you start investing into the business like that. And, um, and that's how I do it. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't post, I don't actually post my YouTube videos. I don't post my podcast. Someone else does that. I record them. Yeah. Right. Someone else edits them. Yeah. And, um, and that's how you do it, right? It's otherwise you wouldn't be able to. And and that's just the stuff that people can see. They're not seeing the what's really going on, which is, hey, how do we reduce churn for our members? How do we create a better experience for our members? Right. Um, how do we right. drive more leads? Hey, how do we get into paid advertising? Yeah. All these things that are actually going behind the background that um, as a CEO of a company, you kind of have to be yeah. more focused on yeah. than some of the other things. So. That's how you do it. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> and amazing. It took me a long time. I'm a slow learner. Learner, so well, you're doing fantastic, um, man. No, you're doing well, thank fantastic. You. It's, it's it's everything it's you, nice do, you say. Yeah, everything is uh, everything you do is quality. Um, you know, from the presentation to the thank content, I, I mean, everything's good, man. So it's 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 awesome. Uh, so mom and dad have to be have to be really proud, right? I mean, you would think that uh, we what we talked about earlier, you know, siblings and being the jazz musician of the family. But but you're not just a jazz musician. You're a very successful businessman. Yeah. You know, I think they are proud. Yes. I mean, I haven't asked them recently. Hey, mom, are you proud of me? But um, <laughs> you might want to get do the that, sense man. that they are. After we do this, give them, give them a call. Are they still are they, are they still living in Utah? Uh, they they live in Idaho. They live in Idaho. I mean, Idaho. Idaho, Idaho yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they still, still live there. They still live there. So um, they're going to be actually coming up this week because my my daughter's turning one okay. next week. So nice. they'll have to see the granddaughter. So nice. I'll t- I'll ask them then. Yes, please do. <laughs> so um, all right. So now let's talk a little bit about jazz education. Um, yes. You know, in your experience in teaching, uh, if you had to, if you had to. If you were forced to come up with the number one, in your opinion, the number one uh, challenge that students have when trying to jump that hurdle uh, from playing their instrument, uh, you know, at an average level, jumping that hurdle and becoming a jazz musician where they're feeling comfortable getting around on their instrument and being able to improvise. What, what, what do you think that, what, what, what is that number one challenge? What would that be? Yeah, this is super easy and it's one of the least sexy answers possible, but it is, um, 90% of the problem, especially when we're talking about someone who's trying to right. take the leap. Right. Um, and that's mindset. 100%. And when I, there's a lot to unpack there. So mindset is, um, I guess, belief in yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Just, to, just to water down that a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of people look in at jazz and they go, oh, this is complicated, right? Maybe I'm not really good enough to do this. Correct. Or perhaps they are in the water a little bit, but they're too afraid to go play at the public jam session, right? Because it's right. intimidating. It's scared, right. uh, scary to do that. Um, but there's also this side of overwhelm. 
It's right when you look at learning a new language, which music is a language, right? right. We, we talk about that. Right. Um, jazz is certainly like that. Like the way that jazz musicians speak is a certain way. Mm -hmm. There's a level of perceived virtuosity involved in there. Right. And that can be very overwhelming. Like, where do I start? And right. then once you understand just even a basic thing, like, hey, one thing you really got to do to start playing jazz is obviously learn some jazz standards. Right. Well, how do you do that? That's overwhelming. So when it comes down to the way I approach or think about jazz education, my number one thing, whether I say it straight up to people or not, is how do we make this as simple as possible? How do we reduce the overwhelm? And um, we recently had a retreat for, our, for some of our members, and um, it was all based around practicing. Um, and one thing that, that someone said in one of the Q&As was like, you know what the fascinating thing about this is, is a lot of this is just project management. Mm. And I was like, that's exactly it, right? That's right. And so I, this is probably a, 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 a meaty or a different answer than maybe, um, maybe some of the listeners were expecting. But I could dive into it more if you want. But I think mindset is, is probably the biggest barrier. It is the way they perceive the challenge of learning how to play the, the genre of jazz. And that right. could go for other styles. But again, I think styles like classical and jazz are perceived to be these more complex or difficult styles of music. And so the fear that can set in, or the overwhelm that can set in is much greater. And it's a bigger, um, as, a, as an educator, it's a, it's a bigger one to tackle. Yeah, so how do you, how do you then help a student... How do you help a student work through that that mindset then? How do you help them get to the point to where they can go like, okay, wait a minute, I get this. I, 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 I can actually do this. The most important thing is just to give them a quick win, right? And I'm not right. saying that in like a, a business or marketing term. I'm saying that in a teaching term, um, which is how can I just give them a, a tiny taste of victory so that once they get that tiny taste, I give them another one and then another one, and then another one, and then they look, suddenly yeah. they're climbing this this yeah. mountain for, yeah. let's just use those terms, and they look down and they're like, oh my God, I didn't realize I got that high. Right. You know, and that's, to me, that's, it's 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 really comes down to psychology, like when yeah. we're really trying to teach yeah. someone anything, especially if it's an overwhelming task, right? is how do we give them these tiny little things, right? Yeah. Like give them the big picture vision, give them all this stuff, right? But how do we just feed something that's attainable for someone so that they can keep making incremental progress? Right. Um, to right. me, that's what you do. Yeah, you know, that's that's a really good point, you know, with a lot of students, you know, to get them. I remember I had a teacher when I was starting out, when I was, you know, 14 years old and wanting to improvise. And uh, right away, he gave, me, he gave me two notes to improvise on. Th you know, he goes, we're going to yeah. improvise on C major. You, you have the notes C and E to mess around with. And right away, right. like what, what you're talking about, right away, that was mind-blowing to me because I, I was thinking of improvisation in my mind at that age. I was thinking of improvisation like this, right? The hand, the hand moving up and down the piano keyboard with rapid speed and virtuosity, right? Right. So when he said, when he said two notes, C and E, and here's the groove, and I want you to do something with those two notes. 
it was mind blowing because I never even thought about improvising with two notes. I thought I thought I was going to need a lot more notes than two notes. And of right. course, his his response was, "Well, can you improvise with two? Can you can you improvise with two notes?" And I said, I can remember saying, "Well, not very well." And he said, "Well, do you think adding a third or fourth or fifth or sixth is going to make it easier?" And uh, right. I was like, "No." And he goes, "Okay, so then <laughs> let's play." Right. And right. so what you're talking about, that was a quick win for me because all of a sudden I was improvising with two notes and I realized, well, wait a minute, I, I, I'm actually improvising. I, right. I'm actually doing something here. I'm actually utilizing some rhythmic ideas, going back and forth with these two notes. I'm playing in time. I'm playing it with a great feel and a great groove. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm actually improvising. So that's what you're talking about, right? Keeping things really kind of simple at first and, and not becoming overwhelmed with all the perceptions that we have about jazz and jazz improvisation. Absolutely. So, and, and certainly we're, we're talking on like on a beginner's level, but this, this can go for intermediate players as well. Like, so no for doubt. example, the, our, our teach our entire philosophy um, and it's a it's something that we're we're really doubling down on, especially this year, is we believe that the one of the most high leverage activities that you can do to become better at a jazz musician over time is learn one jazz standard a month. And why do we believe that? Well, first of all, one month is a good amount of time to learn something, enough space to learn something. Um, you know, we also believe that because a big problem people have is, you know, a question I get all the time is, how do I know when to move on to the next thing? The answer is, once the time's up, you move on to the next thing and you learn <laughs> the next right. lessons that are That's available right. to you. That's right. And of course, jazz standards, because, you know, the jazz standards, you know, uh, I, one of my favorite musicians, Peter Bernstein, once told me the jazz standards will teach you how to play. All the harmonic secrets are in there. All the challenges are in there. Now, obviously, how do we practice them? How do we attack them? That's another side of it too, right? right? But that's more simple, right? It's like, okay, we just have one project. And once you complete that project, the reward centers of your brain start firing, right? Um, and then you continue that process. But then how do you actually learn a jazz standard? We have to batch everything. And so that also goes to what I'm saying with the, the, yeah. the, the little wins building up to each other. Like we have to look at a project like learning a jazz standard or, or learning a solo by ear or whatever you want to be doing and you have to break it up into smaller pieces yeah. um, to understand how to do that. And if you're able to do that and set that up for yourself or you're able to get frameworks for doing that and in a way where you're not practicing any more time than you actually have to practice today, because if we try to practice more than the time we have, we're going to feel like we're failing. Right. We're going to get demotivated and demotivation is the number one killer of long-term musical progress. Right. So when yeah. we have those frameworks in place, to me, this is how we can succeed for longer terms. Like we start with the quick wins. We start with the small things that we can do to grow at any level, right? right. Whether, right. even if you're an advanced player, right? We right. still need to be doing this for ourselves, right. And then we build it from there and we continue right. on with that. So if I'm a beginner and I'm, you know, and, and I'm in your program and we're going to learn a jazz standard a month. When you say, what, a question I would ask you is, uh, Brent, when you say learn, what does that mean? What does that mean exactly, learn? What, what constitutes me learning a standard? Yeah, you learn the melody. Okay. You learn what the chords are. Okay. That's the basic right there. That's, right. All, that, that's the complete basic. The cherry on top 
is you figured out at least, again, if we're a complete beginner, you figured out at least one thing that you could possibly do to start improvising over that. And all that could really mean is that you figured out how to play the melody slightly differently, right? Yeah, right. So here's right. the melody. Right. The melody That's is right. actually the most important musical context that we have in any right. song, certainly a jazz standard. I mean, what's the difference between one blues to the next? Yeah. Well, sometimes a blues, they have slightly different chord changes to them. Right. But for the most part, it's one, four, five, right. or one, six, two, five, one, something right. like, like right. that. And it's the melody that defines the song. Right. So when we're improvising on a blues and we forget about the melody completely we're just playing a blue we're just improvising over blues we're not improvising over right. tenor madness or right. right things ain't what they used to be right, right. so even that is just such a simple tool that you yeah. can get started with well and you bring up a really great point and i try to stress this to students as well that you know your ability to play a melody and to embellish that melody just rhythmically, to play it like you're yeah. singing it, right? Yeah. That in and of itself is what we call improvisation. You're, yes, you, yes. You are improvising when you do that. And that's yes. why it's so important. I know you uh, I know you subscribe to this as well. Learn the melody by ear, please. Do not, do not go out and read that melody because it's going to sound like you're reading a melody. Right. Play, listen and learn that melody by ear and embellish that melody. Play it as you're singing it and you're improvising. Right. Absolutely. And uh, that's a really good point you make is, um, and, and here, here's actually a great illustration of some of the challenges we're talking about here. So you and I both know that the best way, as far as improvisation goes anyways, is to learn content by ear, to learn right. musical lines by ear. Right. For jazz, that's what works because it's improvisation. It's the marriage between what you hear in your head and your right. muscle memory. Right. To me, that's what improvisation really is ultimately. Right. And so a beginner, for example, will be like, that sounds impossible, right? That sounds <laughs> like I have no clue how to do that. So again, how do we simplify this and break it up into a framework that works? So we actually do this like when people, uh, when we get new members, um, we bring them through a program that helps them do this. And so we do get some, there's obviously a lot of people that have, they know how to, they've learned stuff by ear. That's not really a big challenging block, but there's other people that they've never done it before. And it's, it's like, how do we get them over that hurdle? And once they do get over that hurdle, it's like, Oh my gosh, I yeah. learned something by ear for the first time. So um, if you don't mind, I'll just share what the framework is here on the podcast. Just to, yes. if anybody will find it helpful. Yes. So, if we're trying to learn stuff by ear, and by the way, this is just for beginners. This is for advanced players. <laughs> if right. you really do it this, if right. you do it this way, like it's just you're going to get it so much more. So um, it's called my list process for learning jazz standards or technically jazz solos by ear. So learning melodies by ear, for example. So the L stands for listen, and so listening. Right, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen musicians. Like someone tells them to learn a jazz standard and they almost just go straight to learning it and they barely actually know it. And that's such a huge mistake. So in the listen phase, right. you know, we have, we have resources like YouTube and Spotify out there. Right. I'd go into Spotify, for example, and I'll create, I mean, you type in the name, it could happen to you. Suddenly you have so, I mean, this is, I mean, they did not have this. I mean, this is new, oh, uh, right? This, yeah, right. And so you have a list of like 50 a hundred versions of it could happen to you and you start making a playlist 
And during this phase, I like to call it passive listening. So it's kind of just right. like, I want to learn. It could happen to you. Okay, I'm doing the dishes. It could happen to you. I'm having friends over. It could happen to you is going on. Right. Um, they might look at you funny if it's the same song over and over again. But, you know, <laughs> let's put that aside. Right. Um, you're driving, you know, driving in the car. You're um, going on a run. Whatever happens to be. It just, it just, right. you're just, it's now in your environment. That's the, pur- the purpose of it. And so you're That's getting correct. familiar with it even on right. a, a subconscious level. And the next step is I, which stands for internalize. And so internalizing is like a lot of times when we think about practicing, we're thinking we better have our instrument in our hand and we better be working on an exercise or looking at some music. And what I'm here to say today to all the listeners is listening to music can be just as much practicing than anything else. And so the internalization phase is like, we're not passive listening anymore. Let's pick one recording and perhaps it's the original recording or the, the version that you like the most. And you're sitting there like I'm doing in my seat right here. And I got my speakers on and it's like, I have 30 minutes to practice today. All right, cool. Instrument, you're going to sit over there in the corner. I'm going to put on this recording and let's like really listen to what's happening. Right. Right. Um, you know, let's loop the melody perhaps because I need to get the melody. Let's loop right. it over and over and over and over again. Right. right? We have tools to do that too. <laughs> you know, before it's like pick up the record, move it back. And now it's easy. So... <laughs> We spend time doing that. Like, how long should I do that for? Um, really, until you feel like comfortable enough. Like, it could be two practice, three practice sessions, four practice sessions, however much you want. And I think taking off the baggage that is, we have to get this quickly. It's like, no, let's get this well. Let's get this good, right? Right. Um, and so I is internalized. So L and I are listening, right? Just one's mm-hmm. passive and one's what's called active listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then S stands for sing. And it's kind of a cliche as well, like, you know, singing. There's, I forgot who said, is it Hal Galper? He said, like, if you can sing it, you can play it. Mm-hmm. And with all due respect, I don't, I disagree with that. I think it gets you maybe 75% of the way there, mm-hmm. not quite. Um, but what, it, what singing does or humming or whatever, if you're, if you're right. not good at singing, it's fine, is it helps prove that you've internalized it, right? So you're you're listening to the recording and you're, right. you're kind of singing right. and mimicking along with your, well, you're vocalizing it, you're feeling it in your body. So you've proven you've internalized it. And um, no, you don't have to sing every note perfectly because that's for the next step. It's just more about like getting the essence of it. Like, yes, I know it, right? right. right. So T stands for transfer. And that's where you pick up your instrument and you're like, okay, great. I can hear it in my head. Now let's just figure out what the notes are on my, you know, right. instrument. Correct. And then you go from there. And I and, and you technically could just do this at this point with the knowledge that which you can already hear in your head. I wouldn't recommend that though. I'd recommend actually again putting on the record and you know starting with the first bar or the first two bars and figuring out the notes and because you want to match the phrasing, you want to match right. how it feels, and right. then you can go off and do it a different right. way. And so. Um, so that's my list process for learning jazz standards or jazz solos or, or what have you. And so that it, it's once you're able to do it like that, right, you're able to like give a framework, then you're able to hopefully get to that point where it's like, oh, I learned my first blues melody by ear, right? Mm-hmm. Just 12 bars of a melody by right. ear. Right. And it's a, when, you, when you get to that moment, right, you're winning. You feel like you're winning. Right. Um, or after you're done the L process, you feel like you're winning. If you believe in the process, if you right. get to the I process, you feel like you're winning because you're checking it off, right? And then you get to the end. And so, um, what was the question again? 
<laughs> no, the, I th- this is this is real. This is great stuff, Brent. You know, it's kind of it's interesting too. I will just add to that for listeners out there that you know, starting this process doesn't always have to be a jazz tune. You know, I yes. I um a lot of my students, I will have them start. We might do like a Willie Nelson tune. We might do yeah. some nice little country to Hank Hank Williams or something that you know the melody is really simple. We can yep. find that melody. We can poke it out. The chord changes are really simple, you know. So I just want to bring that up as well, that sometimes we get caught up in this, everything has to be jazz to improve our jazz, and everything doesn't have to right. be jazz to improve our jazz. Oh, yeah. I, I, I 100%, 100% agree with that. And, um, for example, it would be, a, a if we're talking about a complete beginner to jazz, right? Not their instrument, right. but to jazz. It would be right. a fool's errand to be like, all right, here's confirmation. Learn that <laughs> oh by ear. You know, it's like, that's just setting that person up for failure, right? Right. You know, so. Right. Or even, you know, or even just some jazz standards are not the easiest things in the world to play, you know? A lot of changes right. going by and, oh, and yeah. um, so a lot of times I, I encourage people, hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with uh, poking out happy birthday, man. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with poking out happy birthday. or There's also or nothing wrong with that because every time that was called on a gig, surprisingly, I would still screw it up. So, like, you know, <laughs> right, right, you're going, wait a minute, happy birthday. I was like, all right, I guess that's part of my job. I, like, if, if someone wants me to play happy birthday, I'm supposed to do that, you know, so. <laughs> right, that's funny. So, um, but, you know, and then there's also the side, I think, talk about this a little bit. Let's even talk yeah. about before the tune because, you know, you know, uh, there's grunt work that has to be done to get us to the point to have the tools in our toolbox to be able to actually play a tune. Right. So what words of encouragement, how would you instruct folks to approach the grunt work? You know, learning, learning chord structures on the instrument, whether it's piano or guitar or saxophone for that matter, or, or, or learning scales, arpeggios, some of this yep. grunt work that we have to have under our hands in order for us to play tunes. I mean, I mentioned up front that the biggest barrier to jazz, but really just playing your instrument, is mindset. And right. so, and, and I, and by the way, this is very personal to me. This philosophy is personal to me because, unfortunately, I think I spent way too much of my musical life. Um, upset that I wasn't better than I was than I than I wanted than I was at the point. I wanted to always oh, be better. Right. I right. was never really happy with where I was musically, right. Right. and that was destructive. Right? It was both destructive to my happiness as a right. musician. It was destructive right. to right. my progress. Right. Right. And so, when we're thinking about doing anything with music, I mean, really anything in life, but we're talking about music here. Um. We have to think, we have to reframe the narrative of why we're doing this. And the vast majority of people that probably come to you and probably come to me are, um, for lack of a better term, hobbyists, right? They're right. doing this for fun. They're genuinely interested right. in playing their instrument, right. Uh, right. playing piano or and, and playing jazz, right? And so, right. you know, as soon as it stops becoming fun, then we have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so part of it is like, yes, we need to do this grunt work. And so the way we look at it isn't like we have to do this grunt work. It's like, how do we practice over time, reframing the way we think about doing these things to where it's more of a spirit of curiosity 
right. and a spirit of fun right. and not like, I have to get through this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the second side of that too, for me, is like, well, how do we balance the approach there? Right? We talk about the quick wins, right? How do right. we go like, okay, let me give you a great example of how horrible of a teacher I was when I first started. Maybe not horrible, <laughs> but I remember one of the first students... I ever had. And I unfortunately did that. And this was in high school. I, I think I, I taught like this for first years afterwards because I just couldn't learn. Right. <laughs> and that was uh, a student would come and they they would, you know, not, don't know how to play their guitar. They're a kid and they don't practice very much and their parents are wasting their money, right? All these things. And so they're not able to play the D chord and the G chord. Uh, even though we learned it and, uh, you know, they were sent off to practice. Okay. So then that next lesson, I'd be like, well, sorry, because you didn't get that, we're going to keep working on that and come back next week. And then the next week they still didn't have it. And the next week they still didn't have it. And then the next week after that, oh, they actually kind of had it. And now all of a sudden, all we're doing is programming this person to right. hate playing music. Right. <laughs> to, right. And so how right. do you balance that? How do you go like, all right, we do need to learn these chords. We do need to learn these arpeggios. We do need to learn how to navigate our instrument better, right? Right, right. How do we break this up into things that are the reason why you wanted to study music in the first right. place? Right. Um, and I think a great approach to that, again, is, is learning songs, right? Like right. being like, what tiny tool do you have? Let right. me show you how you can play a song, right? And again, yeah. that triggers the reward centers of your brain, right? Yeah. How can you use an arpeggio actually in a musical context, right? right. Not just how do you right. learn all your arpeggios in all 12 keys. Great right. thing to do. I did it and I highly recommend it. But, right. Right. you know, it's well, how, how does that even fit in to right. improvisation or a musical context that you're trying to accomplish? Right. Well, and it's also even with the, you know, first of all, grunt work is music. People have to realize that. I, I always want students to know that if you, when you're playing a scale, that's, play that scale musically, right? right. It's, it's musical. Yes. Uh, arpeggio is musical. Um, melodies are made up of scales and arpeggios, for heaven's sake. So this is music yes. that you're playing. I think the other thing that's really important that you touched upon with your uh, inner circle with uh, learning, a, 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 learning a tune a month, and then at mm -hmm. the end of that month, you move on, right? Right. Well, I, I tried to stress to students, right, there always has to be forward motion, forward yes. movement so you know i had a i had a i, I tell the story of a, a gentleman i still teach he, he's an engineer and he came in and uh, his name actually happened to, happens to be bob as well and, and he said he go, he says to me he goes bob i got a game plan i said what's the game plan he says i am going to stay in the key of c until i have the key of c perfect then i'm going to move on to f and i said mm -hmm. that's a horrible game plan mm -hmm. and, and he said why is that i said because bob you're going to be in the key of c forever yeah, you, you you have to be moving, man. If and I I tell it all, I say it all the time. If you want C to get better, practice an F. If you want F to get better, practice in B flat. If you want B flat to be better, practice in E flat. Yeah. In other words, there has to be this forward motion. So whether you're learning a tune like what you're saying, or whether you're doing grunt work, you can't let grass grow under your feet. You got to constantly be moving because you're going to be dealing with the same elements. Whether when you go to the next tune, you're going to be dealing with the yeah. same elements. When you when you go to the next scales and arpeggios, yeah. you're going to be dealing with the same elements. Would you not agree? This forward motion, uh, being 100%. motivating. Yeah. yeah, and and that goes back to the whole jazz one jazz standard philosophy. I have is is you, you know. One jazz standard has a two five one. You know what the chances are that the next one also has a two five one? Not 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 hundred percent, but it's pretty likely that it's going to have, right? So and by the way, that could be 
a two five one in E flat versus yeah. a two five one in B flat. Yeah. Well, they're just different contexts is all they are. It doesn't mean there right. are challenges to, to playing them. And also, depending on what right. instrument you play, there are different challenges. And some keys right. are easier than others. Right. But if it, it's, I really just like the um, get messy, get your feet dirty, get in the water, right? Just get right. in the water right. and keep swimming. Right. And with each project that you set up for yourself, whatever it happens to be, right. even if it's not perfect, even if you right. didn't master it, because you won't, right. then you will have improved just a little bit, right? You will have right. leveled up just a little bit. So, right. it, uh, Bob, I couldn't agree more. Forward motion right. is is so important. Um, right. Because in going back to, to what I said but earlier, I think, I believe that losing motivation is the number one killer of long-term progress. I see it all the time. I see people are like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm coming back to, to learn jazz again after this time. Okay. Right. Why did you quit in the first place? Right. And again, it also goes back to mindset. It's because right. you're not able to see music as a journey, right? You're only able right. to see it as a series of failures. Right. And once you do that, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Because right. like you said, the grunt work is the music and the music is the grunt work. That's exactly and right. You got to make it fun. So you, you ab absolutely right. And, and, uh, with that mindset, like what you're talking about, it, it, it does remain that even for folks like you and me that have been doing it our entire life. Right. So oftentimes students will say to me, golly, are, are, are you, you have to be bored hearing these, this tune again, or you have to be bored hearing these scales again, or these arpeggios again. And I, and I, and I crack up laughing. I go, what are you talking about? I do this every day, all day. Are you kidding me? I don't get I don't get tired of it at all. Right. You know? Because once you start to understand the possibilities and once you're able to, and you know, the thing is, it's like, um, I don't mean to use like a drug reference here, but it's kind of like a bit of like a, a drug. So it's, it's, you know, what happens is everybody, okay, there, most of the gigs, no, that's not true. A lot of gigs I've played aren't like high, big mu musical moments where I'm like, wow, right. that was incredible. Right. But every once in a while the stars align and it's like all the guys in the band were just, it worked. It could have even right. been the atmosphere and the ambience right. was right. And right. I was in the right headspace. I put my ego to the side. I was right. just kind of playing from where I was at. I wasn't worried too much. I just relaxed, set in. And you, all of a sudden you're playing a tune and you wake up as if it was from a dream. And you're like, how did that even happen? Right. And so once you taste it, Right. Yes. Even if it's like a smaller version of what I just talked about. Yes. You can't stop. It's not arpeggios and scales anymore, is it? It's right. How do we turn those things into like the most <laughs> amazing melodic moments? How do I yeah. set myself up for the best success for that yeah. actually happening? Right. Yes. Which is I'm going to there's what's the quote like preparation plus this equals success. Whatever. I, I don't remember. Yeah, what it is. Opportunity. Yeah, you're right. So, something. But that's something what like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny. I had a teacher when I was, again, just getting my feet wet with jazz and I'm sitting there at the piano and I'm poking things out. And he says to me, he says, Bob, he says, I can't wait for you to play the very first time with an outstanding bass player. And uh, keep it, I had not played with any bass player, jazz bassist, right? Oh, okay. He says, I can't wait for you to play with a jazz bassist. And, and I, I'm, I'm just a little guy. And I go, really? And he said, he goes, yeah. He goes, you know what? He goes, you know what it must be like? 
And I said, what's that? And he goes, it must be like, he goes, you're going to feel this. He goes, it's going to feel like this to you. It's the bottom of the ninth inning, game seven of the World Series. Base is loaded. You're down by three. You're up. Right. And you go yard. Yep. And the, he goes, that's what it's going to feel like. <laughs> what a motivation. Base yeah, right? is loaded, no pun intended. Yeah, right? And guess what, And guess what, man? It did. And that's what you're talking about, these little yeah. – these successes that come along, come along the way in your journey. Yeah. Well, and like I said, like so the first time that someone learns like the, the, the thing by ear, it's like when they, they, they reach out to me yeah. and they're like, Oh my God, it's like, it's, it's so to me, it's not a big deal. Right. I, right. I it's just not at this point, right. but right. to them, this is like huge. Right. And it's like, Oh my, I believe now I believe in this. Like, let's do this. Right. Like, let's keep going. Right. Like, this is awesome. And so, right. You know, that's, that's what it is. It's that if you can keep motivated and just understand right. that it's the way you're thinking about it and no, you can't just change the way you think about it. It has to be practiced, right? But also yeah. you have to be set up for success because too much, too often people haven't been set up for success. They're like the yeah. student that I taught early on who I kept forcing him to play the G and C chord until he got it right. <laughs> and, right. Um, you know, and, and, right. and so sometimes Sometimes and often you're set up for, I'll even say this too, YouTube will set you up for failure oftentimes. Yeah. It's a oh, big man. statement. And I'm raising my hand saying, I create content on YouTube. I create yeah. jazz education content on YouTube. Right. I, we have a podcast. You have a podcast. I have a podcast. Create right. tons of content. And it's all good stuff. But what can happen is right. you start getting lost in information. And it's not just jazz, it's everything, right? You get way too right. lost in information. Right. And you can't, you can't make any meaningful progress. You can't decipher what's up and what's down, what's left and what's right. And then you feel overwhelmed. Then you lose motivation. You don't make forward progress and it's done. Right. So it's yeah. like you have to know what tools to use at the right time and you have to yeah. know what teacher you need at the right time. I yeah. think. Yeah, it's you're absolutely 100% correct. YouTube can have you ha have you heading in about a thousand different directions simultaneously and and it it can get very overwhelming very 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 quickly. Heck it it was overwhelming. It, I I remember it being overwhelming long before the internet when I was trying to find books and materials just on my own to to study and learn. It was overwhelming then. Now it's like overwhelming on steroids. It's unbelievable. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's an assault. And, and so a hundred percent are these things great things. A hundred. Yes, of course they are. They're good. There's, there's lots of, right. I mean, right. you can find the answer to how to play your shell voicings on the piano. Right. You can find the answer. It's there right. on YouTube. You'll find it. Um, yes. Could be you, could be somebody else. Right. Yes. And it, it doesn't, it's there. It's not and hard. A, right. And that's a good thing. And you can keep right. doing that for a while. But eventually you need some guidance. You need some help or forget yeah. about that. Maybe you don't need help at all. Maybe you just, again, you need to become your own project manager and figure out what it needs. I mean, so one big thing that um, we really started talking about a lot this year is auditing your playing. Um, mm -hmm. So doing self audits. So for example, the, a jazz audit would look like this. You... First of all, we believe in recording ourselves a lot. And the reason yes. we believe in that is because, A, yes. we're documenting our progress. But the secondary effect of it is a lot of people are afraid to play with other people. And what this kind of does is it simulates a performance environment. Because if you've ever like 
recorded yourself, you feel like a spot. Even though it's just you in your room, you feel like there's a spotlight on you and you get clammy. <laughs> you and you're like, no one's watching me play. It's just me. And no one's even going to have to listen to this. I, I can yeah. delete this. You're still nervous and, and freaking right. out, right? Exactly and right. So you're simulating that environment. Um, so you're working on that side, but you're also documenting your progress. So once you record, um, once you record your solo, right? And anybody can do this, right? You can be your own teacher. Once you record your solo, you, first of all, only one take, only take one take. We don't, so an optimal recording environment is you only do one take of the solo, um, because you're not interested in trying to impress right. yourself. That's right. interested in hearing where you're at right now. And you're practicing accepting that, right? Right. Um, and Very you're acting point. as if no one is there, right? Like you're yeah. acting as if like, it's just you, we're just experimenting all these things. So you just take one take. And so after you recorded yourself, you listen to the recording. And the first time you listen to it, you ask yourself the question, what did I love? And what did I love is, it's an emotional question, by the way. It's not an analytical question, it's an emotional question. Right. What parts, when you were listening back, were you like, there's some hope? Or, oh, I kind of like that. And it could have just been one note. Could have just right. been one phrase. Right. It could have right. been preceded by a part you hated, right? But it's there, right? It's there. And so, you know, not everybody likes writing things down. I think this is a good idea. Write down exactly what happened and be specific. Well, I really liked how I was in this register on my instrument and then I moved up there. And by the way, I noticed I did that a little bit later, which must be something I'm doing naturally, you know? So, right. something about that feels really good to me, right? So, you go right. and you write down all the things that you love. And then these are the things you want to double down on. You want to double down on it. So it's kind of, it's like, it's like wine. It's in the barrel, right? But now it needs some time to age, right? That's right. Um, it needs time to age. And so these are the things that more important than working on your weaknesses, honestly, is double down on the things that you're actually already good at. Because these are more likely to um, occur naturally to you for things to pop out. And most importantly, it's the things you feel inside are great about your right. playing already. Right. And you just need to improve it or get it even better or think about doing it more or even just bringing it to your consciousness, which is part of this right. exercise, by the way, is just awareness, right? right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Then you go and you listen to it again. And what did I not like? You ask that question. And again, it's an emotional question um, because not that I, I do not promote at all, feeling badly about your playing. I think that's mostly detrimental, but you still have to be honest and say something didn't feel very good about what I just did that, that part. Right. And right. you go through that's and right. you write what all them and you get very specific. I didn't outline the, the five chord going into the one chord. And so it sounded amateur because it didn't sound like the great right. jazz musicians do. It just didn't sound, I was right. playing the chord. Okay. Get very specific. Oh, by the way, it was on, at this particular chord because I heard myself doing it right on this other chord. So what is about that, that section? Right. So you get really right. specific about what it is you're actually doing, right? Instead of just soloing, you know, going onto YouTube, put up a backing track and just, okay, one year later, I'm like 1% better, right? We're trying to like <laughs> if that. make, our, if right. that, we're trying to get ourselves like, you know, yeah, one, we're trying to get ourselves like, 10% better every single month, right? That's more what yeah. we're trying to do, right? Yeah. So um, once you do that, again, there's the overwhelm part where it's like, well, you may have written down a lot of things. So which ones do I double down on and which ones do I work on that I didn't like about my solo, right? So 
Right. You pick one of each and you're like, hey, right. check this out. I'm learning a jazz standard, right? Because that's a high leverage activity. But there's this thing I'm really good at. So how can I, what's something that I, right. one strategy I can implement on this one thing and we'll apply it to the right. JS standard because that has context right. to it right. and we'll work on that. And then what's the one thing that I'm just like, that's, if I could just get that one thing just a little bit better, you know, my, my rhythmic plant, my time is off or something, something, right? right? One strategy. And so you simplify it and there you go. You're your own jazz coach right now and you don't yeah. need you technically don't need anybody's help. It just it can be easier if you get someone's yeah, help. Yeah, and sooner like or later we, we all, and sooner or later we all have to become our own jazz coach. Yes, somewhere along the line we have to become coach. And the one thing I'm going to add, <clears throat> and I think you would agree with this, the one thing that everyone, all listeners listening right now, take this to heart. The one thing that you cannot write down that you do not like. The one thing that you cannot write down is that. Oh, I, I play the same thing or the same idea over and over again. Mm-hmm. That is not a not like, right? Because I I hear that all the time from students, and I, I and I always respond, well, so did Oscar Peterson, right? And so did Joe Pass. Yeah. So did, and I can go down the. This is why you can drop a needle on an album and say, oh, that's Oscar Peterson. Why? Because you're hearing. You're hearing the same things, right? right? He has a language. He has a vocabulary that he uses. So one of the things I try to stress to students, when you're repeating an idea that's, that is coming to you again and again, that's part of your vocabulary. Yes. Refine it. Hone it. Uh, uh, love it. Double down use on it. it. Double, down, Double on down on it. Right. This is not, a lot of times people make this mistake of thinking jazz improvisation has to be 100% spontaneous, uh, 100% new every time I play. Right. And that is just, that's a myth. It is a myth. And, and I think I mentioned earlier in the show, just saying that my definition of improvisation is it's where what you're hearing in your head and muscle memory meet, right? Yes, it's where did. those yes. things meet together. Right. And so naturally when, when you're playing and I'm using my guitar, but whatever, piano, sax, right. trumpet, whatever. Right. So right. naturally, whenever you're learning language and you're internalizing it, like you are going to, you are going to naturally start playing the same things. Um, and to your right. point, all the great jazz musicians did that too. What sets them apart from that and who they are is the ability to, um, the ability to evolve an idea, right? The ability to mature an idea, the ability to right. really honestly listen to their musical environment and respond to that environment, right? Right. Um, but are they playing something new every single time? No, it's that botched quote again, the preparation meets blah, 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 blah. And that's what creates good success. (laughs) So you should, yeah, someone should look that up. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll find it. We'll put it in the show notes. There you go. (laughs) So, uh, no, all really good stuff, Brent, really good stuff. So, um, share with the listeners before we wrap it up today, um, what's in store for them? I know most people probably listening already know of learn jazz standards, but if they don't know about learn jazz standards, or even if they do, Share with us a little bit what's on the docket for 2023, how they can get involved and take advantage of the great resources and information that you have available for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're listening on a, to a podcast right now. Um, just uh, our podcast is the LJS podcast, Learn Jazz Standards podcast. Um, there's always great stuff there, too. We come out with episodes every single week. Um, you do. And uh, you can head over there after you listen to one of Bob's episodes and uh, 
yeah, I think, I, th- I mean, we have a lot, there's a ton of things going on, but I think just for the sake of the listeners, that's, um, that's a good place to be. It's a good place. I mean, it, of course we have a YouTube channel too, you know, if that's something yeah. you're interested in. Well, and, and I think you would, I know, I don't think, I know you would agree with this. I, I, I stress the students all the time. They, they should be taking advantage. There are several great jazz, um, resources out there, you know, sites like what, what you have and the material. You, no one teacher takes you from point A to point Z. Right. No, no one teacher. And so I am a, I endorse, um, students getting their hands on great materials and great resources uh, as as much as they possibly can because they're going to walk away with a, a, a great benefit. Yeah, a diversity of ideas uh, with with anything that you're trying to learn, honestly, is always a good idea. You know, it's always right. a good idea to get different perspectives, um, especially right. because one might resonate with you a little bit more, or an element of that might resonate more. So, it's Absolutely. it's. Uh, that's what I do in my life. <laughs> I don't read right? just one business book. I read a bunch of them. I don't just <laughs> get one coach. I get two coaches. Right. So I, you know. right. Right. Well, Brent, man, it, you know, it was, it's long overdue. I, I had yeah. been wanting to uh, reach out to you for a long time and meet you I'm glad and you did. invite yeah. you on jazz piano skills. And uh, I'm so glad I did. And, you know, I look forward to our continued friendship and getting, yeah. and getting to know you more. And, uh, and I want to have you back on jazz piano skills again here soon. So I, I hope you will accept that invitation when, 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 yeah, we when got, we got to get you on, we got to get you on the, the learn jazz standards podcast one of these days. We got to hook that up. Well, I, I would I would love to be a guest so in any any time. So um so website again Brent what's the website address for learn jazz standards? Uh, learn jazz learn standards ja- learnjazzstandards.com. Yeah. That's how what, what it was in 2010 and it's it's still the same. <laughs> so. It's fa- fantastic. Well listen, yeah. enjoy your mom and dad this weekend. Thank congratulations. You. Congratulations on your daughter. Yeah. H- have you h- have you already started thinking about uh, what instrument she's going to play or Honestly, I not real. I mean, she has a little piano. She has like a little piano that like right. she, she plays sometimes. You know, like you know, hacks at it. And then I, I try to show her me playing the guitar sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then we dance a lot in the in the, in the kitchen to like a awesome. bunch of different styles of music. So we'll let her yeah. take her pick. We'll give her the buffet, and then whatever she chooses, we'll we'll run with. Well, it. listen, I have four kids, three boys, yeah. and. I thought they'd be musicians, but they're all, they're all in the baseball, man. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're baseball players. So, you know what, you know, hey, who knows what's going to happen. It's kind of like me. I, I was the lone musician in my family. Sometimes you, <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is, you know? All right. Well, Brent, Hey, on behalf of all the jazz piano skills, uh, members and listeners, man, thanks so much for giving of your time this afternoon and, and coming on jazz piano skills. It's, it's been such a thrill and, uh, I can't, I can't begin to thank you enough. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate having me on. All right. Talk to you soon, my friend. Well, I hope you have found this jazz piano skills podcast episode with special guest Brent Varstra to be insightful, entertaining, and of course, beneficial. One of my mentors and teachers, Al Franzen, used to say to me after every lesson, never forget the greatest thing about music is the people you meet through it. And the privilege of meeting and spending time with Brent simply confirms Al's sentiment 100%. And don't forget, if you are a Jazz Panel Skills Ensemble member, I will see you online Thursday evening at the Jazz Panel Skills Masterclass. That's 8 p.m. Central Time. To discuss this podcast episode featuring Brent Varstra in greater detail and to answer any questions that you may have about the study of jazz in general. 
As always, you can reach me by phone through the Dallas School of Music. My office number here is 972-380-8050. My extension is 211. You can email me, Dr. Lawrence, drlawrence at jazzpianoskills.com. Or you can use the nifty little speak pipe widget that's found throughout the Jazz Piano Skills website to reach out as well. Well, there is my cue. That's it for now. And until next week, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the pearls of wisdom shared by Brent Barster. And most of all, have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano.